Well, good morning. It is a blessing to be in God's house this morning on this Thanksgiving week. Um, I wanted to share with you all uh, what a blessing um, to be here and to share with you what happened at my house. We had several people in the church that invited us to Thanksgiving. Um, so we went to every one of them. No, I'm just kidding. We, we didn't. We didn't go to any of them. Um, we chose to uh, just have Thanksgiving with Lisa and I at the house. But uh, let me tell you, she, we, we did everything. I mean, she cooked it all, and which is awesome. The only thing we didn't do was a turkey. We just had a turkey tenderloin, which was amazing. I, I shouldn't talk about food because now you're all ready to go. But anyway, um, no, it was a great time. I thank you for the invitations, but uh, we had just a, a, a great time. And I wanted to share with you, the, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, that uh, much like most of you probably did, uh, if you were fortunate to have a nice Thanksgiving meal and all, you sat around the table and everybody around the table, you know, shared something that they're thankful for, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay. <laughs> well, we did the same thing, and it was amazing. Everybody around our table, Lisa and I, <clears throat> we both shared one of those things that we were so thankful for, and uh, that is to be here. And I'm thankful. You just don't know how thankful I am. I just looked at her a few minutes ago after uh, uh, Chris said to say hi to everybody, and then the praise team started singing again. I said, this is a good church, because y'all wouldn't shut up and sing. It was awesome. <laughs> y'all were having fun talking, and that's, that's beautiful. Um, but we are entering, and I need to share this with you, because I want you to be prepared for what's coming up. Um, uh, Christmas, it, it is most certainly one of my favorite times of the year. I'm going to write a song about that one day, make millions. <clears throat> Come on. <laughs> it's the most one. Anyway, um, I, when I was a child, I, I remember I started celebrating Christmas every year on October 29th. Every year. And you say, why October 29th? Well, little do you all know, you got by by the skin of your teeth. My birthday is on October 29th, and you all just missed it. So next year, we're going to really celebrate. I'm just kidding. Um, but I remember as a kid, really, no, no kidding. As a kid, I remember, oh, it's my birthday. Christmas starts. And it seemed like Christmas was here in no time. And I loved Christmas, and I've always loved Christmas. But being in ministry... I love it oh so much more. In the past two churches that I've been in, uh, I've, uh, they, prior to pastoring that church, neither one of those churches had ever done a Christmas Eve service. I'm thrilled coming here knowing that we have a Christmas Eve service in place. But it's something that I put a huge emphasis on for multiple reasons. But um, I want you to be prepared for that and make certain that you make plans to be here. And bring everybody that you know on Christmas Eve service. The Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. You have to call it the right thing. It's Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. Everybody say that with me real quick. Yeah, I cheated. I didn't say anything. <clears throat> Christmas Eve candlelight communion service is a very special blessed time, but it's so important because you have the opportunity to bring family, friends, neighbors, everybody that you know to that service that so desperately need to hear and know the gospel. 
So I encourage you to do that. Number two, um, starting next Sunday, uh, and you, you apparently you all have not done this, but we are going to do this, and it's very unique. And if you've been in churches that have done it in the past, wonderful. Uh, I do it a little bit. Oh, no, I do everything a lot different. But anyway, we're going to do we're going to observe Advent, the Advent candles, every Sunday leading up to Christmas. So make certain that you plan on being here next Sunday, the following Sunday, the following Sunday, and the following Sunday. Oh, just keep coming. <laughs> but we're, we're going to observe the, the Advent candles, and I think it'll be very special to you. I know it is to me, so I encourage you to do that. But you can't, you, you can't wait until Advent starts. What we're doing today is we're going to talk about something very special, and that is the birth announcement of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to go back and look at the prophecy, and I'm going to rush through it very quickly. I, this is a unique sermon for me. I don't normally preach this way, which is a, a good thing. I, I, I don't know how I preach most days. But um, you, all, you all need to smile and laugh. <laughs> Let's start with a word of prayer, okay? Let's get it serious. Father, God, oh, I love you so much. You are amazing in so many ways. Father, you, you, in my heart and in my mind, outdid yourself, knowing in our simple, fallible nature that we needed proof, we needed understanding, we needed validation, we needed to understand you and your heart. And knowing that, you gave us your word. And in your word, you gave us so many amazing pieces and jewels of information and concerning salvation coming unto man. You gave us what we're going to look at today just briefly. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. And Father, ultimately, that we would be sold out to you because of you. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Unique in that you have all of the outline this morning, and I encourage you to take that, and we're going to run through it. We're going to talk about it. You have three references, Genesis and two verses in Isaiah up there at the top. I'm not going to read any of those. I want to just jump in and I want to talk simply about the fact that this prophecy, this, this birth announcement that Jesus or that God gave us about Jesus is nothing short of phenomenal. And I'm going to give you a chance to respond to this birth announcement when all is said and done. Look at what God did. God, God carefully planned this event. Jesus wasn't born just out of chance. Jesus wasn't born just because uh, of the moment. God had a plan and a purpose for it all, and he had it meticulously planned out. I've heard messages about, well, why did God choose to have Jesus born on the day and the time that he did? Why didn't he wait until today? Or why didn't he do it back shortly after the fall of man? 
man. None of those things matter to me. What matters to me is that God carefully planned the event of the birth of Jesus. Prophecy is God's birth announcement, not of months in advance, but (laughs) a long time, thousands of years in advance, he showed us that Jesus was coming. Fulfilled prophecy is one of the greatest proofs for the spiritual authority in scriptures. We have this this ancient manuscript that that we carry around, and I want you to to see it for what it is. It's an ancient manuscript. This thing we call the Bible, it it is old, and a lot of people criticize you and I because we say we're going to live our lives based on this ancient manuscript. Well, I dare say that it is one of the most amazing manuscripts ever written. It is the most amazing. Amen? Amen. And it is the, the fulfilling of prophecy means that it's validating itself. It's, it's saying, look what's going to happen, and then it comes to fruition, and it does happen. And it, it, it speaks to itself, and it's just phenomenal to me. The Dead Sea Scrolls are the greatest guarantee that God predicted the birth of his son. When they found those and they compared them to the ancient manuscripts, it's absolutely phenomenal. So today, what we're going to do is we're just going to go through several of the things that were foretold and that we need to pay attention to and grab hold of and 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 enjoy this Christmas season. The first that we're going to look at is simply the virgin birth. (laughs) It is a definite implication. God told Satan, listen to it, Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. (laughs) Wow. This, this, Story about how the woman would give birth. This battle, this this tension, this this reality of the of the woman and your seed and her seed. It's it's amazing. Man has seed and woman has an egg. A woman will give birth without a man. We, we understand the fascination of that. It's, it's, it's an impossibility. It has to be nothing short of what we would call a miracle. It is a miracle. The heel blow by Satan represents the agony of the cross. The head blow represents the judgment of Satan. Listen to John 12:31 Now is the judgment of this world now the ruler of this world will be cast out listen to John 16:11 of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged <laughs> Satan <laughs> is being judged and <laughs> Jesus is coming there's an obvious statement over there in Isaiah 7:14. Pay close attention to it. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What a blessing. What a glory, glorious thought. 
that this promise is being made back there in Isaiah, that this virgin shall conceive and bear some. We look back and we have the benefit and the, the enjoyment of looking back and seeing, and we'll get there here in a few minutes. In Matthew, we know what happened. We know that it took place. We know that, that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and went to the cross and, and willingly was put to death, and he was buried or placed into a borrowed tomb, and on the third day rose, and he has ascended and is sitting at the right hand of the Father today. He has conquered sin, death, hell, in the grave. We have, we have the benefit of hindsight, but we can go all the way back to see the prophecy that said that it would happen, and we know that it did. You and I should be excited about the virgin birth. The sign points to a miraculous work of God. So, we can go and we can have the arguments for the virgin birth. It's all found here in Matthew chapter 1. Chapter 1 verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. This is what took place. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear it? Before they came together. They're betrothed. They're, they they are not living as husband and wife. They are not married yet. It's not been consummated. Before they came together, they were abstaining from the act of marriage. Look at verse 20. It says, For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Hmm, the virgin birth. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, in our day and time, uh, you, you get pregnant and uh, you find out that you're pregnant, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five weeks into it, the woman finds out or realizes or recognizes and she takes a pregnancy test and, oh, I'm pregnant. And then she goes and she sets up OB care and she goes in for her first appointment and they do a pregnancy test and then they do an ultrasound and, oh, I'm pregnant. And yeah, there's the baby. And then uh, a month or two later, she goes back and they do another ultrasound. But that ultrasound's to do what? Ah, oh, we want to know the sex of the baby. Why? Why does that matter? Why does that matter? I, I guess that's too long to talk about or too embarrassing to talk about. I don't know. Well, and because you want to go and now we have parties. What is that party called? The gender reveal. Well, I got great and fun news for you. God beat you all to it. He did the gender reveal right here. He says, you shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He calls Mary a virgin. Then again, over here in verse 23, I got to turn the page. 23, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated God with us. He knew her not. They had not had the act of marriage. Her firstborn son, this is not Joseph's son. Joseph is listed as the husband of Mary, not the father of Jesus in genealogy. Hmm. The virgin birth is unique 
in that it is the only time in the history of mankind, in the history of womankind, <laughs> that it's ever happened. If that's not enough for you, then let's move forward. And let's talk not just about the fact that it was a virgin birth, but he also told us about the place. Where was this going to happen? It was going to happen in the home of kings. But over there, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. <laughs> The Messiah is going to be born in a little town of Bethlehem. In the little town of Bethlehem, we find this minutia, this detail about where he's going to be. Why is that so big? What's, it, what's this, such the big deal? It's because that's not where Mary and Joseph are. That's where they will be when Jesus is born. The Messiah would be eternal said from everlasting and he will be the ruler of Israel wow it wasn't just the fact that she was a virgin it's not just the fact that prophecy tells us the the precise town that little town of Bethlehem where he would be born but it also uh, foretells about the star and you say, oh, that's not a big deal. I say it is. Numbers 24, 17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. <laughs> First Peter 1, 19 tells us that it says, but the precious blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus Christ is actually the star that's spoken of. The star was a sign of his advent. Matthew chapter 2 verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The scepter is a reference to his rule. Not now, not near, a long time off. Matter of fact, about 1,300 years off. Jesus is the star. Jesus is the star far beyond anything that's ever come out of Hollywood. Jesus is the star. Jesus is who we had waited for for 1,000 years. We have the virgin birth, we have the place, we have the star, and now we have simply a child. The gift of a child. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. This child, the child is born, a virgin birth as the son of David, a son is given, incarnation as the son of God, a dispensational gap between given and government, fourfold name, why, why, why so many names, <laughs> why, because he does so very much, he is so much, listen to them, he is wonderful counselor, 
Wonder. Wonder is a miracle. I want you to think about the miracle. He will give supernatural instruction. I want you to think about Jesus for just a moment. This babe in the manger, uh, we, we, we need to recognize that this babe will grow up to be a man. And he will grow up and he will launch his public ministry. And I want you to watch his instruction. I want you to see him standing there with the woman at the well. I want you to see as he reaches down to the blind beggar. I want you to, to hear as he, as he teaches and then feeds the 5,000. I want you to, to, to hear him as he speaks to the disciples and the disciples respond to him and they say ah, this is a hard saying how can how can anyone stand up to it I want you to hear the amazing counselor the wonderful counselor that he will be the mighty God I cannot fathom what it was like. I was, before the service, I was watching uh, what uh, Barbara had put together in those scriptures, and there was that one picture where, where Joseph and Mary are there, and they're looking down at the babe, the, the babe uh, in, in the manger, looking into the face of Jesus, into the face of salvation, into the face of the Son of God. And I, I think to myself, how, how much could they see and how often do we miss the fact that that babe that we will celebrate is the very son of God. He is the second in the Godhead. He is mighty God, everlasting father. This is not the everlasting heavenly father. This is the source of everlasting life to us. He is the prince of peace, a warring monarch who will finally give peace. He is the embodiment of peace. And for me to get to the understanding of that last statement, the embodiment of peace, I want to talk about peace, personal peace, the peace that passes understanding. We need to have a strong heart-to-heart -heart talk about what exactly we're talking about when it comes to personal peace. The title today should speak for itself. For to us. For to us. For us. You can even change that title to for to you. I'm not changing scripture. I'm not, I'm not messing with scripture. I promise you. But when I say for to you, I'm pointing to the fact that Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you. I want you to Forget about the world for just a moment, and I want you to recognize and realize that I believe with all of my heart that if you were the only one standing there, that Christ still would have come and still would have lived that life and still would have went to the cross and still would have paid the ultimate price for you, for unto you. A child has been born. <laughs> we can have that argument some other day, but I believe that he came for you. For me to express that and to explain that, I have to go off script so you don't get any more slides, you don't get any more fun stuff. You just have to pay attention to me. That 
can be a challenge. You can ask my wife. But I want you to pay attention to me. Christmas. Christmas boiled down all of the prophecy and all of the, all of the understanding of what God did in preparation, that birth announcement, telling what was going to happen and how it was going to happen and the minutia, the detail, so that we could look back and see what actually did take place and then look back and see what he said was going to take place. It's phenomenal. Uh, I've, I've read the statistics and I've seen, I've seen uh, what, the, what the odds are that they, if all of those things... Uh, how, how everything had to come to play, it's phenomenal. It's, there's no way that thousands of years men could sit down and pen those words and guess what would happen. They, they couldn't have guessed what the heart of God would be. It had to be inspired by God himself. And I look at what took place, and I see that babe in a manger, and I, I hear about that boy teaching in the temple, and I hear about John the Baptist making his proclamation, and I see Jesus going and launching into his ministry, and I, I watch him, and then I follow him through the Gospels, and, and I think to myself, all because salvation came unto man. I have to read a passage that is not very Christmassy. It's John. You've heard it before. It is the 14th chapter, just the first part. Stick with me. Thinking on Christmas, that babe grew up, and at one point in his adult life, he looked his disciples and all those around. And he looked down through the annals of time and he saw you and I sitting in this room or wherever you are. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. <laughs> in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Jesus is saying, everything that I did, everything that I came to do, it comes down to this. You, you say you believe in God the Father? Believe also in me. He says, I, I am the one you need to look to. In my Father's house are many mansions. My Father's house, the place where I'm going to, there, he's got room for everybody. He's got room for everyone, even you. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in life, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you've done today, no matter what your plans are for tomorrow, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. There's room for everyone. <laughs> you know, 
Lisa makes a, a great Thanksgiving dinner, but you ought to see the, the Christmas one. So you all can come to our house. There's room for everyone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please, no, I'm kidding. I can't say that. I can't. I don't have room for everybody. There's no way. I want you to. I want you to grasp what Jesus is saying. He's saying, "In my Father's house are many mansions. There's room for everybody." I came and I paid the price, not for one over another, not for the rich, not for the good looking, not for the smart, not for the talented, not for, not for those who are of influence. I came for everybody. I came for the downtrodden. I came for the one who is struggling. I'm, I came for the one who battles depression. I came for the one who's got cancer. I came for the one who's got, who's got uh, family issues. I came for the one who's got addiction issues. I came for the one who's got, no matter who you are, no matter how bad you think you is he said I came for you in my father's house are many mansions this is not a small thing it's huge he says if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you oh think with me for just a moment you got the master builder he is the cornerstone and he's been working on your place for two grand two thousand years the master builder, I can imagine just what he can do in 2,000 years with the building. Hmm. I don't think it's a matter of a physical one either. I think it's much grander than that. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again, and I'll receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. He is coming again. He's coming back. He's coming for you. He's coming for me. I don't know if I'm going to get a personal ride all by myself or if we're going to hear a trumpet sound and we're going to all go together. I kind of would lean towards that because I think it'd be fun, but I'm willing to go either way. And I'm going because he says I'm coming again and I'm going to bring you unto myself. I'm going to bring you to that place. I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. I cannot imagine. I know what the song says, but I cannot imagine what it's going to be like to be ushered into his presence. Will I be raising my hands, praising him? I'll be flat on my face, prostrate before him for a thousand years? I don't know. But I do know this. I know for a fact that I'm going to see him. He made that promise to me. He made that promise to a 13-year-old boy. And I'm so thankful for it. And then he makes that promise. Verse 4, he says, Where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said what a lot of you are probably thinking right now. I don't know whether you're in the room or watching or wherever you are. Thomas said, <laughs> oh, the honesty of Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. How can we, if we don't know where you're going, how can we, how can we get there? <laughs> hmm. I'm 
thinking about me and inviting you all to Christmas dinner, and you all don't know where I live, and I'm glad you don't know the way. <laughs> Sorry. Thomas is confused. Thomas is, is questioning him. Thomas is asking the age-old question, and you might be that person who's sitting wherever you are right now, and you're saying to yourself, how, and how, how can I have this salvation? How can I have this promise? How can I have what the preacher's talking about? How, I've heard this before, but I don't know how to get there. Jesus says in verse 6, and it's my, not my favorite, it's one of my many favorite verses. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. What does that mean? He says, I am the way. See, I don't know which way to go most days until I confer with him. I'm, as, as the scripture says, I am a man most undone. I want you to understand, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, that means that you are going in one direction. And let me, let me describe what that direction is. You're going in this direction. You say, well, what is that? Well, you're living for sin and self and you are wandering and you're lost and you are living for what will ultimately be destruction for all eternity. Here's the reality I want you all to understand. There's not a soul within the sound of my voice right now. There is not one soul within the sound of my voice in this room or somewhere else that is not an eternal being. You will live forever. You say, well, wait a minute, then what's the problem? Well, here's the problem. Your existence, that living that I talked about, it's kind of a, a sketchy word. Living for eternity or really dying for eternity. See, if I don't do something about this direction that I'm going in and I'm lost and I'm undone, I'm living for sin and self and whatever labels you want to place on it, I'm going to, at the end of this life, when my heartbeat goes kathump the last time, when I breathe my last breath, I'm going to spend an eternity in a devil's hell, a place not created for me, but a place that I will be banished to nonetheless. Unless I repent of that sin. What does it take to repent of sin? First, it takes recognizing that sin is sin. When I talk to children, I like to make certain that I ask them the question, are you a sinner? Uh-uh. <laughs> then I don't think we're ready. But let's talk about it some more. When I was in uh, Uganda, Africa, talking to the Mening people who had never heard about Jesus Christ before, I would talk to them about sin, and I would have to express to them what sin is, because I would say, do you know what sin is? They did not know what sin was, and the language that they were using didn't have one, because nobody had ever told them about it. So I had to make them sinners before I could get them saved. <laughs> that's, that's humor. Sin, you have to recognize your sin for what it is. And it has to make you 
mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically sick to the point where you say, I no longer want to live for sin and self, and I want to leave that behind and turn to someone. Repentance is turning away from something and turning to someone, and that someone is Jesus Christ because he is the way back to the Father. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sick of my sin and myself and the life that I'm leading. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me white as snow. Cleanse me from all sin and all unrighteousness and make me your child that I might live with you and the Father forever. Thank you for saving me. That means I'm now perfect. Understand that means that he has saved me from my sin and he has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. But as I sin and I recognize my sin, I turn from that sin and I say, Father, forgive me. Jesus, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me of that sin. I repent of that sin. Repentance means I'm not going back to that sin ever again. And it's sort of like this. We're called to be a Christian. Once we're saved, we're called to grow in Christ. And it should look like this, each and every day getting closer and closer to him. Problem is, if we're all going to be honest with each other, our, our Christianity begins here and we begin to grow. We usually have a pretty good start. It usually starts pretty good because we're excited and we're happy and we're thrilled with the fact that we have our salvation. And then something happens and we digress. And we go down. And then we have a spiritual awakening, went, oh, then we digress. And then, oh, and then, and then what? And then we spend some time here. Oh, the, and our, our Christianity looks like that. You know what those dips and plunges are? It's when I recognize that I'm falling back into sin and I'm giving it back to him and I'm growing closer to him each and every day. Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I am the truth. Let me tell you something about Jesus and why he said, I am the truth. Because the enemy... Sleuthfoot, Satan, the father of lies. He is a liar and a thief. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. That's who Satan is. And I give him no glory. He's a slug muffin. I can't stand him. I hate him with a perfect hatred because I know what he has tried to do in me and what he has done in my life. And I see what he's doing to other people whom I love and some that I just meet. He drives me crazy. But he's a liar. And Jesus said, I am the embodiment of truth. You want to know the truth? Come unto me. I will teach you and I will train you and I will grow you. And you will be my son. You will be my child. And I will be your savior and your Lord for all eternity. I am the way, the truth. And I don't know about you, but I want to live the life. He is the life. I want to be like him. I want to be more like Christ every day. Oh, please don't look unto me and, and say, oh, I want to be like Daniel <laughs> because I'm trying to be like Christ because I'm falling far short. But every day I want to be more like him. And I want to get to the point one day where I can be like the, the men of old, like the men of scripture, like the forefathers of our faith and our belief and our trust and our, 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 our church called the church of Jesus Christ. I want to be like Paul who said, be like me. 
because he was confident enough that he was following Jesus that closely. But I digress. I have to say the rest of the story. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But then he said, no man, no man comes unto the Father except through me. Let me tell you something. I, I, I'm in a very great spot in my ministry. I'm in, I'm in a sweet spot is what I'd like to call it. A sweet spot in that I am so very, 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 very blessed that God has allowed me to come to Shadow Mountain, to Gardnerville, Minden, to, to Carson Valley. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here. It's, it's, this is a blessing on me more than anybody in this world. But let me tell you why it's such a sweet spot here. Because as I look at you all, I look around the room, and I'm still like, I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Let me tell you why that's a sweet spot. Because I can stand here and I can say, listen, my dear friend, if you have never repented of your sin, recognized that you are lost, and cried out to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive you of your sin, repent of that sin, and run into his arms as his child, then, my dear friend, you are bound for a devil's hell. I don't care if you're a member of this church or any other church. I don't care if you're on a church roll anywhere. That makes no difference to me. I don't care if you've ever been baptized. I don't care if you've ever made a profession of faith before, but you did it because grandma said you needed to do it, or because mommy and daddy drug you to church, or because, because of a business deal, and you thought, well, if I become a Christian and a part of that church, then I'll get more business. I'll sell more cars or refrigerators or whatever. You did it for some other reason, but you never came face to face with the reality that you are an eternal being and you are either going to go and enjoy your mansion in the Father's house or you're lost and you're going to spend an eternal death in hell. I'm not here to scare you. If I could scare you into heaven, I'd scare everybody I could find. That's not my intention. That's not how it works. I want you to recognize and realize if you're lost, you need Jesus today. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way back to the Father. That one salvation that came unto man, that babe that we celebrate at this Christmas season, he is the one that God provided for you and I to find a way back to him. Do you know him? Do you know him as your Savior and as your Lord? Have you been wandering? Even if you know him, have you been wandering? Have you walked away from him or run away from him, been drug away from him? Today is the day to recommit your life to him and say yes to him all over again. The praise team is going to be making their way up here. If somebody needs to go get them or whatever needs to happen, I'm good with it. But, but we're going to do something 
that we haven't done since I've been here. We're going to have a moment of invitation. When I say a moment, I mean this. I'm going to stand here for one verse, unless I need to stay longer. If you need Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you recognize that this morning, you know that you're lost, and you know that if you go out here and you walk out these doors and you go wherever you're going, and you don't make it there because uh, your moment has come and your life ends, you need to know that you know Jesus because at that moment it would be too late. Know him today. Know him before you leave this place. Recommit your life to him today. Maybe you have family. Maybe you have friends. Maybe you know, you know your banker or your, your, your uh, hairdresser or your cashier, wherever you shop at, or, or maybe it's the, the next door neighbor, or maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's your boss that you know or you believe doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This would be a great time to come and bow at this altar and pray for those family members or those friends or those people that you know that don't know Jesus. Listen, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. It's called Christmas. Everybody is okay with talking or hearing about the Christ child. Let's make much of him. If you need Jesus today, they're going to sing. You're going to have a chance to come. Right before they sing, pray with me, will you? Father, oh God, I love you. I praise you and I thank you for who you are, what you did. You promised us. Oh, in those prophecies of old, you promised us that you were sending us exactly what we needed. You told us how it would happen. He would be born of a virgin in a little town of Bethlehem. He would, he would be a boy. His name would be Emmanuel, God with us. He would live a perfect life, sinless life. He would give himself willingly on a cross to be raised on the third day from that borrowed tomb, to become the propitiation of our sin. Father, I'm praying for the lost in this room that need to run to him today, repenting of their sin and accepting him as their savior and allowing him to be Lord of their life. Father, I'm praying for those Christians who have been wandering, who have been running, who have been scared for whatever reason. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they recommit their heart and life to you. Father, I pray for those who are burdened, for those who are around them and need to pray. Father, I'm praying, Lord, that uh, whatever you have to do in this place today, whatever your will is, Father, that we would be <laughs> responsive and that we would uh, do your will. All these things I pray in Jesus' blessed and holy name. Amen.